today we are f- going to have a spoiler cast on a game we've been waiting all year for, Yakuza 7, also known as Like a Dragon. I am so excited to talk about this game. This is definitely one of the things that I was excited for when it was first announced, um, because, you know, the premise of a new protagonist, and um, excited to talk about the game as a whole, since it's so radically different than what we know in the Yakuza franchise. It's, this game's also a big deal because we're jump-starting the Yakuza side of the franchise with a completely new character, so we're going to talk all about that. <clears throat> For anyone who's never listened to a spoiler cast, this spoiler... So, throughout Downtime Podcast, we'll talk about games, we'll talk about how we feel about them loosely, ab- loosely about the storyline. A lot of it is more just about the gameplay itself. So, in this spoiler cast, we're actually going to talk about the storyline for Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yes, and please be warned that obviously the title of this podcast is a spoiler cast. You know that coming in here. You know that when you clicked on it. Know that this entire game's plot and story will be spoiled in its entirety. So please look away. Avert your eyes. Do not watch. Do not listen. Avert your ears. reach this point it's too late it's too late it's over (laughs) too late to go back now yup this is the point of no return all right just like in chapter 15 before you enter millennium tower it's the point of no return (laughs) and we could talk about that we could talk about all the spoilers because this is this is now a spoiler zone yes okay so you know, I want to start at the beginning, kind of. My initial thoughts of Ichiban were, okay, he's going to be obviously different than Kiryu. And he subverted my expectations. I, I think he's a great protagonist. He's very passionate. He's very Agreed. outgoing. He's very exciting. Um, I think it's it definitely is stylized in the way that his hair looks. His hair in the future, after he gets out of jail, uh, when he gets that perm, is so likened to his character. His hair describes his character almost where, you know, it just, he's everywhere. He's, he's electric. He's ecstatic. He's, he's everything that a shonen main character is. And I, I think it's really cool. He is a loose cannon. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I think that Itchy's character is very fitting specifically for the turn-based role-playing game that they changed this game into instead of a brawler where Kiryu is a bit more brooding a a lot of like quiet Yagami is more of like he is pretty skilled in martial arts as well as a lot of detective stuff was incorporated with his character because Yagami is smart and then Ichiban is kind of more just there's a lot of different possi- like there's a lot of different possibilities and I think it's actually really reflected well in the battle system when he's when that's introduced. Uh, just there's all of these different things he could learn. He could you you can just use fists, you could use a baseball bat, you can like slap someone with money. Like it, it's just like it's all over the place, but I think it works with Itchy. I I'm actually a huge fan of Itchy as the new protagonist for the Yakuza series me too um 
I really like that he just he just is a protagonist. Like you could he just ha- exudes that energy, you know. When when you look at him, you're like, okay, that's the main guy. And uh, something we kind of touched on on a previous podcast, which I think definitely equates to him being a main character, is that he's he's wearing red, and red usually signifies like that he's like a you know he's he's the main person. He's like the main character. I, I feel like red in Japan is a, a color that is that is one-to-one like signifying that this is the main character with yeah. Ichi for sure um, and like Power Rangers I think is a good example where the Red Ranger is usually the leader or like the mm-hmm. most powerful or the most I don't know I, I guess yeah the, like th- they're kind of the main center not not just of the show but I think like the color is representative of that in the franchise so something else I wanted to point out uh, Ichi is his suit is the reverse of Kiryu's, which is Kiryu wears an inner red shirt and like a gray outer shirt, a uh, gray outer suit. Whereas Ichi wears like a red suit and kind of a, a whitish gray inner shirt. Um, I think it's really cool that the developers kind of chose that color style, not just to represent RPGs uh, and you know main characters in general, but like it, they kind of reversed his color scheme to make him look standout-ish so you can yes. recognize them easily um, yes so if you think yeah. about it like nanba adachi psycho they're all wearing either kind of like a subdued blue or neutral colors for their outfits and i like that i like you can tell like okay nanba's green adachi's blue psycho's like white these are just their base outfits like airy is black and white and then you have um zao who is yellow and then hanjungi who is like black with white hair and like like everyone has like a profile you know like how video game characters usually have like a silhouette and you can easily recognize them mm-hmm. um i think ichi silhouette like all of their silhouettes are easily recognizable from a distance yes. you can be like okay i know i know that character and i think that's very important when it comes to making characters and making video games um because you want your character to be to be memorable like everyone can point out sonic and mario from a distance you can all tell who they are by their silhouette and I think not just the colors, but yes, their silhouettes definitely make them different characters and make them stand out. And you can easily recognize them from from far away. Yes. Not to say that all the characters aren't distinguished in previous Yakuza's because you have Haruka, you have Majima, you have all of these characters. But the difference in this game is that all the side characters are playable. So you have to actually have distinguishing personalities and differences more than ever because of the fact that you can play with them versus previous games it has to be more defined yeah exactly exactly and i think they're very smart about that like if you see kiryu's silhouette you definitely know it's him like for Mm -hmm. sure yeah so with itchy's story i actually think it's the best part of the game Itchy's backstory leading to how everything rolls out in the storyline and from beginning to end with Itchy, the Arakawa clan, um, Joe, it, all of the like all of those parts I I think are the best parts of the story. So I think of this game in th- in three parts or three acts. So act one would be chapters one through five. Act 2 would be chapters 6 through 10. 
and then act three, mm-hmm. which is the final act, into the end. It's like 11 through 15. So, like, and this is just my personal personal ranking, Jeremy. Like, obviously, like, you might have different sure. opinions. So, sure, sure. <laughs> act one, I'd gi- I give it a seven out of ten. Because I think it was a very good setup. I think it's great. And it's a setup for... It's a good setup for Sayako, Nanba, and Adachi. It introduces a little bit of flavor to who these three main sides are. Like, it introduces, like, kind of the fact that, you know, we're going to start off really poor, but I thought that would, like, and it's like, it sucks, and I hate it, and I, like, I can't (laughs) believe I collected so many cans for this. But at the same time, for the story, it made, it was one of those things where it made sense. Like, I actually, like, it's like, every time I visit Hello Work, I'm just like, ugh, another job. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, but this this actually makes sense with the storyline. Then we'll go into it, but Act 2, I actually ranked Act 2 a 4 out of 10 in terms of the story. Okay. Because I just, and I'll I'll go into it more when we kind of, when we start going further in the story, but I just felt like the game did not do a good job setting up new side characters, and most of all, the game didn't do a good job making me care about a lot of characters. And right. then the final act, act three, I basically jumped back to like an 8.5 out of 10. And mostly because we're back to the main story. We're back to the Arakawa line. We're back. We, we circle back to, all right, what does this all mean? And the whole ending act, I think, is like freaking really good and actually like really mirrors what happens with Nishiki and Kiryu and is a good setup to an open end for the next game. So that's how I rank the storyline in general for Like a Dragon. Okay, yeah. That that's I I more or less agree um with your ranking. Um I didn't really give it too much thought, to be honest, to think about like how much I like each segment. I just kind of, I kind of grouped them all together, mm-hmm. and like in my opinion, I think this game is definitely a solid like eight out of ten. Like it was, it was good, but um, there are definitely some flaws, stuff that we'll get into later for sure. Yeah, um, how I like to think about this is, and I think we talked about it on a podcast. Where are the parts of this story where I really wanted the dialogue to end and I did not give a shit? Which is basically the middle chapters. Yeah. Until until we come back to Masato and Rio. Or Masato slash Rio. Or sorry. It was definitely like yeah. a filler arc. Yeah, it was like filler as fuck, and I like really didn't care. But then base yeah. but like I said, the best part of the storyline is everything that revolved around Ichi's main story with Arakawa. Yeah, yeah. That stuff was so good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's awesome. I um Yeah, I I I definitely thought a lot about like um the uh like the way the story flowed because to your previous point, the middle is definitely weaker compared to the beginning and the end because I agree with your point that Ichi's origin and everyone's origin at the in the first few chapters are pretty solid. 
the ending is definitely pretty good. The middle falls off a little bit as far as my tension. And I kind of focused more of it on playing mini games and yeah, a lot of it I ex- forgot exactly. because I just, I didn't care. I, yeah. I remembered the beginning and the end more, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I honestly had to look up a little bit of what happened in the middle because everything basically sucks. And that might be an exaggeration. Actually, no, it's not an exaggeration. I really didn't care. I don't care about the Ejin 3. Like, I, it kind of was like a great word, filler. It was basically filler until Masato comes back. Yeah, I felt like their entrance and excuse for being there was kind of short and useless. It just, there was a point where like, okay, they're all fighting. You know that they're all fighting. Okay, so there's these three factions of ethnic groups that are all fighting each other like oh okay that's so interesting and then you see them meet in the middle chapters and you hear um what's his face the dude from the the seiryu clan he's just expositioning everything to you for like an hour and you have the whole thing where just like kiryu ichi goes nani nandate (laughs) he's just sitting there like asking all these questions and like you know what i'm just gonna tell you everything it's like Oh, I, I get it. I get that, you know, Yakuza relies heavily on segments for exposition, but, like, that was just too much. Like, to the point where I felt I was getting some strong Yakuza 6 vibes where we're listening to, um, uh, that, uh, what's his face? Beat Takeshi just talk about <laughs> everything about the, the battleship and why it's there. And I'm like, dude, I don't need to know the history right now. I, I thought this is a Yakuza game, not a history lesson. Yeah. And the same thing goes for that segment in the middle chapter where, here from the Seryu chairman and he's just talking about everything about the EG3 and about how they all work and then um I have it I yeah, have a name just, in my notes hold much. on hold on the Hoshino Hoshino there we go yes okay yeah Hoshino he was a cool guy until he died and but honestly he was just there I don't know why he was there to be a father figure to just like help you know. and yeah like honestly, like if the game and if the game started out with you know you trying to figure out Aokiryo and then you end it and then you you jump from there to like finding out that Aokiryo was Masato, you're like oh shit, that's pretty crazy. Like everything in the middle was like okay. I felt like the Ejin three was just used to to kind of be the catalyst for why the Omi and and Bleach Japan. Bleach. Yeah, and uh, and Aoki Ryo were all were interested in this whole little section. It was, I don't know. It was just, uh, it's just too much. It was just like, what the, what the fuck? On top with with them, the three of them being the reason that we have to introduce Bleach and Omi. I feel like the three of them was also like trying to figure out this weird reason why Nanba had to leave the party for three chapters or two, two to three chapters. mm Hmm. It was a really roundabout way, is the, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. The The Bleach part was, um, that was interesting, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one of those things where I don't have any real feelings. I didn't have any real feelings towards Bleach until... Rio, until Rio comes to the game. And then that's when right. I was like, oh, fuck. What is going on right now? But aside from that, Kume, um, we'll talk about more later because 
Bleach doesn't get interesting, of course, until the last chapter of the game. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. But for that, for in the beginning, it's like, you know, solid, just regular setup of like, here's an annoying protest group. <laughs> like, that is going to mm-hmm. protest everything in Ijinto. Right, right. The one thing that, um, real quick in the beginning, I, with um, Ryo Masumi, I thought, and it's because we played Judgment last year, and Judgment had a huge medical, like, pharmaceutical element to it. I actually thought, like, in the beginning's prologue with the New Year's scene, I was like, oh, shit. Are, is there going to be, like, some crazy thing going on where he's just going to, like, be like, inject this in my veins? And this is, like, a huge, <laughs> like, he's living off of, like, meds, like, and these crazy injections for, like, the rest of, like, his life. But then it it, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> but I'm so I, happy it didn't. <laughs> yeah, but when, when that happened, I was like, oh, my God, is this, like, oh, God, we're going to, we're going to go this weird, like, stem cell, like, you know, science route, aren't we? But then, no. It's just the fact that it was 2000-ish, and now it's 2019, and technology's better, and that's why Masumi's okay now. <laughs> but that part I, was just, uh, that part was weird, where he's like, okay, I, I'm in a wheelchair, I'm gonna use this medication to help walk, I'm gonna change my name, change my identity from this dead person, go to America, get an operation, come back and be a different person. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, oh, wow, so much happened in 19 years. I get that it's been a long time, but... Holy shit. That's crazy. Yeah. It was a it was a lot. Also, um a little bit of just like a graphical um or like a character peeve. I feel like Masumi when he was younger looks older than Masumi when he's older. Or or it's like younger Masumi looks older than older Masumi. Yeah, uh, it, current the, day. the facial hair. The yeah, facial it, hug there you go. Yep. I was like, I was like, why do I feel like he looks way younger now than he ever did? <laughs> but it's yeah. not just the fact that he can walk now. But good point. It's probably the facial hair. He looked like he was freaking 45. Honestly, like, in yeah. ways, he looked the same age as his dad. He looked like, um, like, oh, sorry, I keep saying Masumi, Masato. Masato yeah. looked the same age as Masumi, <laughs> like in the 2000 timeline. So, mm-hmm. that is just a small peeve I had with the prologue. No, I I agree. I agree. It, it's a minor thing, but like overall, I I I, I didn't I didn't think too much about it. I didn't really de- it didn't detract me too much from the story because. Um, it was the early 2000s and I was like, okay, I guess this is just what they look like in Japan in the early 2000s. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just a small and, peeve that I noticed. No, for sure. For sure. Like he, he, his older self definitely looked younger and I, I, I a hundred percent contribute that to the facial hair. Yes, I agree. But yeah, you were saying, <laughs> Oh, the main point was that I thought that the whole... I thought there was going to be a medical angle to it, but it turns out there was no medical angle. Right. Okay. That That's right. Yeah. I, I, I wish they would, like, tie things to judgment or have judgment tied things to Yakuza a little bit more. Like, I understand they're two different games and 
in the same universe, but still, like, I, I want to see some references. Like, I saw, I saw Genda's law office above that convenience store. Yeah. And Kamurocho, and I was like, oh, interesting. But you know, you can't go inside of it. Obviously, the windows are reflected. I even went to um, uh, what's his face, the dude's uh private eye office, and I was like, oh, oh. cool. It's that's it's there. Yeah. You can't look inside of it. All the windows are reflected as well. You can't go into that building or anything. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man. That'd be cool to just, like, see the office or something. <laughs> that being said, Speak. what, like, do you think that, I mean, obviously, Ichi does come back to Kamurocho, but do you think that his friend, uh, like, his main series is going to mostly be in Ijincho? So I was going to mention that. Because they fleshed out the map like this is the biggest map i think yakuza has ever made i like i think it is yeah it is it's bigger than previous maps for sure and because yes. i thought yakuza 5's maps were big i thought that uh fukuoka was pretty big but this is like much bigger it took me like five minutes to run across the whole map like <laughs> it's yeah it's massive that big to so what I noticed about Komurocho was that they're definitely descaling how much stuff you can do there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just because they're focusing more on Yokohama. I think that Nijincho is going to be the place, the future of the franchise. I mean, new character, new map, new year, new me, right? So yeah. <laughs> they're obviously going to they're gonna push for Nijincho to be that place. And I think, and I'm okay with that. I really like Nijincho. I think it has a lot of charm to it. It's not... I mean, we've been, we spent so much so much time in in Kamurocho. I think it is time to move on. I'm totally here for it. I uh, Yokohama is one of the places I want to visit. I love how like I thought that this whole Ijincho map was a ten out of ten. There was just so many places you could go to, so many different districts. It was a lot of great things to see. And then on top of that, you got there is Minato Mirai, which for anyone who doesn't know what that is, in actual Yokohama, it's like when you're in the uh in the Hamakita Park or the snack district, in in that area you'll see the Ferris wheel in the game. So that actual location is called Minato Mirai in Yokohama. And I feel like uh, for future games, man, if they made that that pier playable and you could actually do stuff there that would be a 20 out of 10 map i was so disappointed that we couldn't go there because that's the first place i tried to go to and i was like oh because i've been i've been to that spot many many times and i wanted to go back there just to see how much they recreated it turns out they didn't i was really disappointed that they didn't because i wanted to check it out um that like there was a point where i thought i thought that it just was blocked off in the first chapters because they limit yeah, where same. you're supposed to go and then it turns out it was all a lie yeah and that that I, was very disappointing yep. just like with don quixote how they took it out completely and i'm still mad yeah. about that um but yeah that that area i really want to go to uh in the game because i think it's really cool that that half orange looking building near the ferris wheel by the way is a hotel called the intercontinental it's a very expensive and nice hotel it's really cool. That's a that like I actually have that hotel on my radar one day. One day. <laughs> oh yeah. It's it's really nice. I recommend you stay there one day. Just just for one night because Yeah. Uh, it's expensive. I, I only stayed there for one night and <laughs> that one night was expensive. But I'm sure it was amazing though. Because you got that. It was awesome. View, and then like Yeah. Was awesome. Oh. 
Yeah, the view is amazing to look at when you wake up. You just see the whole bay. You see the city below. It's 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 nice. Man, they have to realize for Yakuza Eight, you have to make that playable. These are missed opportunities <laughs> for the map. I know. Come on. <laughs> there's a there's a convenience store in Minato Mirai. Like it's in front of the hotel. Just, you could just make that <laughs> a convenience store happen. to buy things. Like. Make it happen, Sega. Come on. <laughs> Please make it because you know how there's like Kamurocho Hills and Kamurocho. Yeah. Like just make make Minato Mirai the that equivalent of that where they they'll open it up <laughs> in a later game because that's what I yep. want. I need it. Give us what the people want. <laughs> I don't honestly. I don't. I didn't. I, I did not care to go to Sotenbori. I'd rather they have a bigger Ijincho map, <laughs> like for real. The whole purpose of Sotenbori in this game was for your character to farm. That was really okay. the only reason why. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So. We have we have talked about in a previous podcast. The TLDR of this is that. In chapter 12, you get to a point where you go to Osaka and you have to grind, but the game didn't really tell you that explicitly. They hinted like, oh, you can do this before and level up your characters. They didn't say you should level up your characters before this because there's something crazy going to happen. They're like, hey, you're level 35. Why don't you go do this boss battle? It's like, what? Oh, yeah, this boss is level 50. And I'm like, what the hell? So Lisa and I in the previous in a previous podcast were talking about how much we didn't like the grind from chapter 12 onwards because it, it kind of forced you to do it most in most other rpgs from my understanding you just have to like continue the game on um and things kind of like scale to you i guess it depends on the rpg but in any case there's kind of like a blatant way that a game is supposed to tell you to level up and move on but in this case the game was like hey you're level 35 against this boss and you're gonna get one-shotted and to add more tldr this Difficulty spike I was a lot. It was a 10 level difficulty spike. Not even 10, fi- 10 to 15 level difficulty spike. It was huge. I, I, it was, it was n- completely unexpected. And other Yakuza games, like Underground Arena was optional every single time. And like, you can totally win the game without the Underground Arena. So this time, it's the game basically telling you, all right, Looks like you gotta do the arena and the Kamurocho dungeon and all this shit. And I was just like, oh my god. God bless. <laughs> god oh my help god. me right now. So that whole part, when I went into that building, the Omi Alliance building, I was like, okay, some shit's gonna go down. Saw Majima, freaked out, and I was like, yo, it's Majima and Saijima. Holy shit, that's so fucking awesome. And then I was like, oh, fuck, we're going to have to fight them. Saw his level, looked at mine, and I was like, oh, God. Okay, so maybe I'm supposed to die. I died four times, and I was like, okay, this is not what you're supposed to do. And I really had to look up a guide because I was so confused. And then I was like, I don't want to do the battle arena. That's so stupid. And I did it a couple times, leveled up my characters. And I realized, too, that you also have to beat Saijima. And I was like, oh, shit. So I lost to him, went back to the gym, did it again, leveled up my characters once more, fought both Majima and Saijima barely by the skin of my teeth, and was like, I never want to do that ever again. Oh, God. Not to mention, the battle is long in itself. It's not just difficult. It's a very long battle. Yes. That make sure you're 
And you got to make sure that you have all your healing and you think that you have all your healing and then you're like, fuck, do I even like, do I need more? Apparently I do. <laughs> right. It's like, why do I, why, wow. I, I, so what I did was I literally bought every kind of medicine. Yeah. That's exactly what I did too. Because at that point, if you're, if you were smart about this and you did the, uh, the business, did the business management game early, kind of like it starts in chapter five. So if you started it there, Grinded your way up through that just to make money because I spent three hours just playing that game. I had so much money to the point where I was like, all right, I want to buy all the best weapons and buy all the best healing items because I think we're going to need it. Turns out you did need it. And yeah, um, I'm, yeah it, that, that, that's the part where I was just like, I'm, I'm so happy I have all this stuff. And I forgot to restock one of those times, but luckily I did, so. It Ugh. came to the point where after that was done and over with, what I did was I stocked up healing in my inventory as well just in case i needed it for future chapters just because it traumatized me so hard that i stocked all of my healing up to like maybe like 15 bottles of like stamina or whatever in my inventory so that because when you go through the boss when you go through the boss levels and there's the save point and the re-energizing point, there's also the storage box. And I basically just stored a lot of backup healing because I was like, this is freaking crazy. The like the jump from chapter 11 to 12 is insane. And it makes sense. It makes sense because that this is where you start fighting all the major Yakuza bosses. But still, I was like, Jesus Christ, like there's no real like, you know, guidance or indicator for that unless you eat unless you looked up a guide or someone told you. Yeah, like narratively I get it, but like mechanic-wise it's so stupid. Like yeah. I feel like at that point Majima should have been closer to your level, at least like five levels above you. Yeah, five which make that one makes sense. Right. Even if you're the same level as Majima in that chapter you can die. <laughs> It's right. not enough, I right. think. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's why I, I barely beat him with like, I was like level 47, level 46 or 47. And I barely beat him. And I was like, all right, I I beat him. I'm done. I'm done with the game. No, <laughs> no but like I, I continued on and. Um, yeah, I, um, I wrote down the chapters and kind of like what level I was at for each of these points so chapter 12 i was 50 chapter 14 i went to 55 and then chapter 15 i was able to beat on 60 and then when in millennium tower when you reach tendo it got me up to level 62 because um you know that's a like dude you go up like freaking 12 stories so right that in itself i was able to beat like Basically, 50, 55, 60 for chapters 12, 14, 15, respectively, and then just, like, plus or minus, like, 2, 3, I feel like is good enough to beat the bosses, but they are long battles as well. It's not just beating, like, being able to beat them. God, they have so much HP. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. Yeah. It's a lot of And they're, like... They're resistant to a lot of things, too. And the stuff that they are not resistant to, they still take the damage pretty well. Even though it's, like, their weakness, it's like, okay, I, I, I'm i doing this, but it feels like I'm not doing anything to you. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And 
even with the special moves and me having to like constantly refill people's health, refill people's like mana, um, like that's how I felt with the final boss with Tendo. I I kind I really considered Tendo the final boss compared to Aoki because he was so much easier. Aoki was like this, a, a cakewalk compared to Tendo. Um, like it followed traditional JRPG where the second to last boss is the hardest boss. Like this is like the like they this is like textbook JRPG. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Um, with that said, yeah, Tendo was so hard. Uh, I was literally like whittling down his health with everything I had. I ran out of like MP for everybody and just started using knife attacks because those were better than using normal attacks. Um, guns didn't work. Fists didn't work. So knife was like the only way. So I had to have Eri and uh, Hanjungi in there to help support and give. And I had um, Saiko out for heals. And I had obviously Ichi with his in case I get one shotted thing on him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I was actually thinking the same. Uh, I actually did the same exact um, strategy. I had Nanba and I had Ichi have um, one shot accessories to make sure that they weren't killed in one shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, not Nanba, Sayako. So basically, my hero and my healer did, had one shot accessories because I was like, I'm not about to deal with this bullshit right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My final party was I had Adachi as a bodyguard. Because remember in the previous um, podcast, I really wanted someone to have a katana because the katana right. weapons were just so awesome. So I ended up And Sakura having, Storm. Yep. I had gave Adachi a Sakura Storm. And it was honestly, I'm so like, I love it. I'm, I'm I was really happy with my final party. And then I have Ichi as a hero. I changed Sayako from a hostess to an idol so that I could get her healing, which is great. And then Nanba, homeless, but good God, that pyro special move saves lives, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. That, like, yeah. that pyro move is like a burning fire of a thousand suns. It's like one of the best moves of the game. <laughs> I, I personally found it ineffective against Tendo, and that's why I switched off to other people. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that you were able to get through him with, with those moves, because it, that's tough. Well, well, getting through Tendo for me was like... So, what happened was, I went into Tendo, and I told myself, you know what, I don't want to do the special heat moves for a while because i want to see how far i can actually like beat tendo with without special moves and it took a long time i accepted it though like i'm i'm used to playing really long boss battles so getting to half get like i got to halfway to tendo strictly without any um like without any um special heat moves and i was just alternating healing buffing and attacking and it took a long time but it worked because tendo is just one of those people that has a lot of health and then when he got to the move where you can do a one (laughs) one hit knockout i was like oh fuck i gotta kill this fucking guy (laughs) that was like spamming spamming all of my heat moves heal buffer here's a potion here's torner 
another <laughs> heat move. Like, I was doing the most when he got that heat move. Because I was like, oh lord, I need to beat this guy now. Because I'm not about this one hit move. Did he one hit any of your people? He did. Well, he was constantly one hitting um, Nanba. Um, because Nanba, I probably just like had less resistance to it. Mm. Uh, it was harder for him to to one hit Adachi. I don't think I had anything specific assigned to him. I don't like. I don't even think there was anything assigned to him. I think it was just his defense was higher. So like, sure, he, sure. There was just like a better buffer for him. But Nanba kept dying, and I was like, Lord, you gotta wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, bro, get up. We got a battle to fight. <laughs> bro, I'm not about this life right now. <laughs> Yeah, he was Tendo was doing the same thing to Han Jung-gi for me. I'm like, why are you beating up on Han Jung-gi every time? I revive him, he goes down. I revive him again, he goes down. I'm like, all right. I know I feel like I'm wasting it, but at least Tendo's focused on one person instead of beating up everybody. I agree. It worked out actually. Yeah. So, I would say the boss battle was it, it wasn't hard. It was just challenging and you just had to strategize. Yes. And, but I do think it was better than trying to fight Saijima and Majima because that was That surprising. was some dumb shit. I swear to God. Yeah. That, was some, that was dumb as fuck. <laughs> I like, yeah. don't even know how else to describe that. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh my God. I mean, also Kiryu wasn't bad either. Kiryu was definitely not bad compared to Majima and, and um, Saijima because at that point you kind of know that you have to level your character up and you're like, okay, well, I got to yes. go do this. You knew what to and expect. The, and by the Yeah, exactly. And by the end of it, if you didn't level up your character and you saw that message saying, hey, this is the final part. There's no going back. You're like, all right, I got to go level up my dude because you don't know what level the boss is going to be at. So it's, that's definitely a good point. I think it's just good strategy in general. Maybe probably good RPG um, thought to have that, uh, to have you level up. So. Yeah, I I I do think that Tendo was easier than than uh, Majima and Saijima because it was just easier to manage overall. Kiryu and Tendo were on the same level where the fight was manageable. It was just a very long fight because of their health, but manageable. Right, right. As long as you were stocked up on all the health items and yeah, you had we the fine. right people in. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you didn't know all of this beforehand and you played it, I mean, it sucks because you'd have to do the whole tower over again. But at yeah. the same time, at least you can level up your characters, put the right party members in before the boss battle happens, and then make sure that you're ready to go. Yeah, exactly. So, speak. Gonna... Oh, go ahead. I was going to go say ahead. some one more thing, but I forgot. I'll bring it up when I remember it. Sure. <laughs> So, speaking of characters that appeared in previous Yakuza games, um, that moment when Kiryu appeared, I was I was shocked. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe you're here, but at the same time, why are you here? Yeah, no, that <laughs> was my exact same reaction, because it's like, I don't remember which chapter it is. I think it's like in chapter, I think it's in chapter 10, when you have the huge bleach fight, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Kiryu comes out of fucking nowhere, and I was like, wait. Oh my god, is that him? Right? Aren't you supposed to be retired? The... <laughs> like, right? I was like, aren't you supposed to be in hiding? What is going on right now? 
that Omi chairman guy, I, I was glad to see him again because I remember him being in Yakuza 5 and he didn't show up in 6. And I was like, oh, I, he, I went to jail. And he, they showed him getting out of jail and he's like, I'm going to disband the Omi Alliance. And then, um, uh, what's his face? Shows up. Uh, Dojima, Daigo Dojima shows up and he's like, hey, I'm disbanding the uh, Tojo clan. And it's like, well, the Tojo clan wasn't really there anymore anyways, so I don't know what you're disbanding. But yeah, they're like, hey, we're disbanding, we're friends, and then everyone's all mad, and then Kiryu comes out of nowhere and gives that right hook punch, and it's like, what the fuck? Kiryu, he's back! Somehow, was- some way, what are you doing here? Even Ichi was like, yo, this dude's sick! And I'm like, okay, and like, even there were characters previously that were, like, alluding to Kiryu, and like, oh, you're like him, or you have the same energy as him. It's like, who are you talking about? Ah, nobody. It's like, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I know you talk about. You can just say. You can just say. I know it's Kiryu. I know it's Kiryu. <laughs> Even that Ono, like the Onomichi sub story, the Dragon Cart sub story. I'm like, are all y'all connected to Kiryu? You have the same energy as him. You have the same uh, look that he had. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know it's Kiryu. I know it's Kiryu. <laughs> <laughs> For real though. But I mean, fighting him was. Also I didn't surprising. expect him to actually show up is another thing yeah yeah because i'm like okay we're moving on we're moving on like that was literally kiri's last story turns out that's not his last story this is like not even an epilogue this is still a continuation of his story i'm like okay but it was even weirder that he knew everybody and was like hey i'm i'm like an informant i know everything that's going on now i'm like bro you're literally the person that asks people what what what's going on what's going on like, you're, yeah. you're that guy. So, like, how could you be that, like, information head now? I know what's happening now. It's like, no, you don't. You you had to ask everything from everybody. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like, what the hell happened? It's like, one, it, it becomes like, I'm done with this. I'm about to leave. For Haruka to have a good life, I'm not going to be involved. Bye. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm friends with Song Wee. I know what's going on everywhere. And I was like... <laughs> Jesus, what the fuck? Yeah, she's like, oh, he, he what's his, she's like, what's his name? She's like, ah, don't worry about it. I was like, what the? F-? Yeah, <laughs> I was just, I was like, what, <laughs> what is going on right now? <laughs> I was so happy when Kiryu and Ichi met. And by the way, the chapter that they met or they, they, they had their fight on was called Passing the Torch, which yes. applies to a lot of things. And I understood why, like when, when Kiryu touched Ichi's shoulder, he's like, oh, you got this kid, and left. I'm like, okay, I could, you're passing the torch on, I get it, but did, you don't need to do it. You, you really didn't need to be here, Kiryu, but it's really cool that you're here. <laughs> you know? Hey, sometimes you need the fan service. Sometimes you just need to see them. This was one of those moments. I'm, 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 I'm cool with it. I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I am all for it. I'm all for it. But like, <laughs> if they really wanted to have, to have Kiryu move on, they wouldn't have him there, but I do really like that he's there because it does add like a lot of, um, uh, it, 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 well, to your point, it adds a lot of fan service to the game and yeah. makes you go, oh shit, that's awesome. You know, he was there for fan service for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he, he didn't really help the, well, he helped the plot move along, but I feel like another character could have done that. Um, and he was, de- he was definitely just there to be like, Hey guys, Yakuza 7. It's not going to start here, you, but it's going to have a minute. It's like, whoa, okay. It's Very like, cool. here we Very are. Cool. <laughs> I think, I think with the, pa- with the chapter of passing the torch, I did appreciate the heat cut scene where Itchy's dressed up as a knight and it represents kiryu as a dragon of course and basically it's like passing the torch is also slaying the current dragon 
And then, bam, now Itchy the Dragonfish is ready to roll. <laughs> right? So now he'll be the Dragonfish of Ijincho. I, by the way, I love how it's like any any time he shows his tattoo, it's like, is the, what is that? It's like, it's a dragonfish. <laughs> it's like, it's, like oh. it's not as cool as a dragon. It's two kinds of animals, a dragon and a fish. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, God, I'm all about this dragonfish. And I'm not going to lie. The dragonfish looks like a derp. But I think that's exactly <laughs> why it's meant to be. So <laughs> <laughs> It's like the people... Who get like who want tattoos just like Kiryu's tattoo, but the dragon looks like so derpy. He's I like, know. All right, close enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, but I agree. I think that his tattoo definitely like it. It exudes his character. Like it, it's definitely a part of his defining character and reflects him as a person. It's like, oh, this. It's not just. It's not a full dragon. It's uh, it's kind of two animals. Whereas you know, Ichi is kind of that. He's he's he's. A yakuza and a brute, but also like a good friend and and like a, a smiley dude all the time because Kiyu never smiles, and never. Ichi loves to smile and and stuff like that. So exactly, I think that uh, that tattoo definitely does reflect Ichi as a, as a person and a character. It is derpy, I agree. and I like that because Ichi's pretty derpy too. I kind of wanted to touch on uh, references because this game is chock full of them. Some of them I didn't understand fully. Some of them maybe that you caught that I didn't. Uh, one of them would be Sujimon, which is a clear reference to Pokemon. That was an interesting way of introducing all the possible thugs and beasts that you can beat in the game. I, like, I, like when you're doing that sub story. By the way. Um, on a real quick side tangent, I really like how introducing each of the different restaurants or mini games or important parts and functions of the game, you have to go through a sub story. I thought that was cool. Um, I did too. I did too. Yes. So this the whole Sujimon thing, I was like, you're going to a doctor or sorry, more like a scientist. And he's just like, here's the Sujimon. And then you have three thugs wearing like, yellow or you know like they're in like three different it's colors red green and blue red, yeah, green, red and green and blue, and blue which, which which symbolizes water fire and grass the types that you start off with pokemon with and you I have know. to choose one of those types and i'm like yeah. oh my god that was a clear blatant reference to pokemon yeah it was totally pokemon it like and that was just interesting to me um it was creative i was like i thought it was fun like it's funny that that's how you can figure, like, that's how you can look up your Suja decks of all the thugs and all of the different enemies so that you can figure out their weaknesses and whatever. But I just thought that, I was like, wow, they really went there, didn't they? <laughs> no yeah, fucks yeah. given here. <laughs> nope, none at all. They they went to the Sujimon and they're like, yo, this is Pokemon. I think it's really funny because it's kind of a, a jab at Nintendo, tug-in-cheek kind of way. <laughs> where Sega and Nintendo were always neck and neck, and now Sega's yeah. like, "Yeah, we're gonna make a, sh- we're gonna make a shitty version of your franchise, and it's gonna be funny." I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought it was amusing. 
Like it's <clears throat> to your point earlier, I think it was I think it was really clever that they were able to give you a way to show the weaknesses of enemies because I was definitely looking at it when um when I was doing the Sultan Bori battle arena because it was helping me figure out, okay, this is gonna be the next enemy in this room. Do mm-hmm. I have this in the Suji decks? Can I see what they're weak against? It's like, oh, perfect, electricity. Uh, looks like he, uh, looks like Ichiban has a electric bat, so we should be able to beat this room. It's good. It's pretty cool. Uh, references to Dragon Quest as well. I thought those oh, yeah. were really funny. Like uh, when you get a new party member, there's a little jingle that plays in like a eight to sixteen bit format, and I was like, wow, this is uh, definitely something that is like clearly from an RPG. The yes. fact that uh, Ichi saw everything in an RPG format. Um, he always talked about Dragon Quest. I think it's really interesting that the developers or the, and the director chose like Dragon Quest as the the franchise that Ichi loves the most. Um, Dragon Quest not being owned by Sega, by the way, by being entirely owned by another company, mm-hmm. uh, was really was really interesting and and it stood out for sure. I I I liked but. it a lot because. Because it, it was just, like, kind of, like, just a fun reason. Like, so here's why it's a JRPG. It's simply because Itchy really likes Dragon Quest. <laughs> yeah, that was really clever. And I thought yeah. that was really funny and, and it was cute. Yeah. I agree. Um, Speaking of references, I don't know if, um, I don't know if you know this singer, but um, when you're in the, when you're in the, um, the hostess club, for uh, Otohime, the one that's in Ijinsho, there right. when you're see- when you're looking at that wall of kind of like here's all like the possible like you know people or or whatever, um, there's like a f- there's like I uh Aika if you know who she is. Um, are you talking about in that in that soapland? I think so. Yeah, in uh in uh Otohime, the one in Ijinsho. pretty sure. Pretty sure all of them are porn stars. Oh. Oh shoot. Oh, sorry. I thought one of them was actually like a like a singer. Like she um, could I thought be. it was Aika, yeah. She's a porn star too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she is. Oh when I saw her, I was like, oh shit. Oh, okay. I mean, come on, you know the tradition. You know how the Yakuza games are. Yeah, I know, but I thought like that was kinda like a, you know. Um Well you could like, you could look it up and tell me. <laughs> tell me what you find. <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> you, you could be like oh shit well <laughs> but um yeah you because like it could have been a reference to her like she should she, she could have had like a poster in there right is what you're saying yeah yeah i mean it, that i would have to look again but maybe maybe not I don't know. Maybe someone maybe someone else can confirm. <laughs> I'm like googling. Oh yeah. Aika. It, it, she's just a singer. She's not like I don't it, I don't think she's a porn star because it doesn't seem to imply that in and in, in her wiki or she, I don't think she's an AV model or anything. Mm, yeah, I think she's like just of? she's just a singer as far or at least from like what I cuz I I know a few of her songs. That's why I knew I knew her as a singer. Oh, I didn't know she was uh, from the United States. Interesting. I got. I thought. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. Little references. Little references to real things. Little references to 
in-game stuff to fake things. I think it's I think this game is definitely a love letter to the franchise as a whole with I wouldn't call it a send-off for Kiryu because the previous game was a send-off. This is more of just like a love letter to JRPGs and we're going to include little references and fun facts about stuff. One um, thing that was really cool. One of my favorite thing Oh. Were uh, finish your thought? Uh, I was going to say one of my favorite things was the conversations you would have with your party members across the world, just like walking around, pressing triangle, and then they would talk about something. <clears throat> yes. So like uh, Zhao was talking about when they were in front of the arcade in Yujincho, how he would have, he was playing something on a VMU, which is specific to a Sega Dreamcast. And then Ichi goes, you had a Dreamcast? And I was like, wow, this is very much like Sega to reference their own stuff. Which is funny <laughs> because they also have that in the vocational school minigame where there's a there's two different tests on Sega, which include questions like, "What? Well, how old is Sonic? Which of these was a console that Sega released? It's like, wow, that's pretty cool. It was cool yes. for me, at least. I was about to say, what I thought was really cool is for the Survive Bar um, record player, the you could get songs from Persona. Oh, yeah. As well yeah, I as... Liked how, I like that. I think I saw something from Valkyria Chronicles 2. I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. They they had a, a reference to that in the trivia minigame at the vocational school where they're like, which of these is the is the faction that the this character is from? I was like, what the hell? I haven't played this game. Um, <laughs> of course, it was the answer that was not like the others because I didn't play the game. Yes. Um, but I, I did like how that survive bar had the CDs you had to collect. So there's like a song from Sonic Adventure. There was like a song from Daytona USA, which I did not know Sega created, which is so random <laughs> that they would create a game called Daytona USA. Yes. But, I mean, it was a different time, right? <laughs> it was. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So references. I love references in, in these games when they reference each other. Like in Yakuza 0 where that fortune teller tells Kiryu all about his future and I didn't understand any of it and now I do and I think it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> that being said speaking of Yakuza 0 the best the, the best thing for me for survival bar was just playing Friday night on repeat anytime I'm in that yes. bar. Like and like I like I kid you not, anytime we walked into that bar and I needed to buff um this I needed to buff the relationships with any of my players, I was just like, okay, Friday night, put it on. We're doing this. I love it's that song. The best. It's the there um I forgot the other dance song I like, but I love Friday night. Koino Disco Queen. That's the other one. Oh yeah, God, I, I love that song so much. <laughs> so kind of tangent, kind of tangential, but also related. Uh, friend of the show, DJB, streamer, musician, awesome dude overall. Final Fantasy fan. Uh, I was playing with him on one of his streams one time. We were playing Valorant, and in Valorant, he has this thing where if you clutch the game, meaning that you um, you defuse the bomb correctly with all the the enemy team dead, or if you're the attacking team, you uh, kill all the other team mates and then you plant the bomb and successfully um, have the bomb go off. Uh, you have a clutch theme, which DJB is selected for you and he plays when uh, when you do something successfully in that sense. So my clutch theme was Friday Night from Yakuza 0. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought it was really funny. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. Thank you so much. He's like, yeah, man, I thought of you. And I was like, dude, you need to play Yakuza 0 first. I don't know how you found out about that song, but you got to play Yakuza 0. 
So, which has tangential. the best songs, Again. by the way. So <laughs> yeah, Yakuza Zero definitely does have the best soundtrack, in my opinion. Because if it didn't, music. yeah. Because if it didn't, they wouldn't be having the songs in in the other games. It's very true. So going back to grinding real quick, in the game, there are enemy spawns in the overworld, just like there are in previous Yakuza games and other RPGs. But I felt like there were a lot more enemies spawned in the overworld this time. Did you feel the same way? Sorry, what do you mean by overworld? So like the hub world, the the world where you just walk around, like in Jinjo, for example. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, 100% the spawns were all over the place and you could never avoid them. Like, remember how I was telling you, like, I like that's like one of my biggest pet peeves right now about the game. It's like the the spawns were all over and you couldn't you couldn't just walk around them like previous games or just like the the fight wouldn't actually start unless you were within a specific like close distance and they could actually touch you. This time it was just straight up like, oh, you're a mile away. Let's start the battle right now. <laughs> that was so annoying. I got so fed up with it that eventually, towards the later chapters, I found an item called Hariti's Amulet, and I read it, and it said, it'll prevent enemies from spawning in the overworld. And I was like, what? No way. I had it on one of my characters that was not in my current party, and it still worked, and there were no more enemies, and I was so happy. I could walk around the world without having to worry about being stopped. Oh, yeah. It was so... it 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 was getting really ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, hopefully if you listen to this after you beat the game, hopefully you had that that item and used it because I was so tired of like grinding with the characters with enemy characters that were like below my level, especially mm-hmm. in Eugene show in the beginning area. Like everyone was like level 11 while I was like 43. It didn't make any sense. I could one shot everybody, but it was just annoying to get past them. So I had the amulet on and I was like, I'm done with this. I'm fucking done. I just don't want to I don't want to f- do fight in a battle that I don't need to. If I wanted to go to a, like a fight, I would go to the battle arena and just you know level up that way because apparently that's what the game wants you to do. So yes, yeah, that's what I did. Agreed. So what are your thoughts on the the side games, the mini games like Dragon Car, um, Golf, etc.? I mean, I didn't play Dragon Cart that much. It was fine, but I didn't play it that much. I never play golf. No. Um. The honestly, my favorite side game aside from karaoke was just the was the fucking movie game Seagull Cinema. It was just mm. so absurd, as I talked about before. But I but I was like, but I'm here for it. This is so stupid. But I beat the whole thing, so here we are. And every right. time the movie would have a different, like ridiculous, like cat, like you know, like caption or thought from itchy and i'm just like this this is like my favorite thing right now i love it i love it so much it's so ridiculous but it it makes so much sense i know (laughs) i'm here for it yeah i i liked that and to be honest i was i was not um opposed to the can collecting game like it wasn't bad either oh did i tell you you know, I I beat the can collecting game in three hours, <laughs> and I right. like like I went all the way to to like collect the most amount of cans that you had to, um, to basically unlock more items. 
Like, right, you did tell me that. Yeah, yeah, I w- yeah. I was all about it. During that can collecting game, I re- uh, <laughs> the first time I played it when you weren't forced to play it, I was like, all right, I guess I'll do this because I need to get things for um, for the hero quests. And then, and then like three hours later, I was like, oh God, <laughs> did I really just spend the last three hours of my life um, recycling? Yes, I did. And <laughs> not to mention, yes. I think the mechanic of that game's really fun. You're just col- it's like Pac-Man. It's it's Pac-Man. It's Pac-Man with cans. Yeah, exactly. That's what it. I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah. I was there for it. It was good. After you told me that you played it for three hours, I actually jumped on it myself and played it for three hours and I got a bunch of stuff and I was like, Yep, I'm satisfied. But yes. the main purpose of me doing that was so I could make my charisma maxed. And I did that. Nice. I didn't even realize that it was boosting charisma up, but I I mean, like. Oh, well, you had to get points. And when you have enough points, you will buy like a book. Oh, that's what you mean. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what you meant. I thought thought that you were talking about like just finishing it boosted your charisma. Oh, yeah, the activity itself. No, I wish, dude. I'd be playing that game so much. But um, no, the fact that you had to buy books to update your charisma, like I... I that was like the last thing I needed as far as like my personality wheel for Ichi was. So I, I had to play that game over and over again because I wasn't about to play slots because that yeah. that game was so confusing. No, yeah, of course not. <laughs> Never. Um, I ended up finishing Dragon Cart. I still don't really like it that much. It was fun, but solid five out of ten for me. I ended mm-hmm. up getting the last cart after you beat uh, Pocket Circuit Fighter. Yeah. I guess he's just called uh what is he called dragon he's he has a different name but he's like dragon driver or something dragon drifter yeah there we go dragon drifter which is an, again another initial d reference mm-hmm. um which is awesome uh, TLDR pocket circuit fighter aka dragon drifter whatever his name is is a reference to initial d because his last name is Fujisawa which is similar to Fujiwara which is Takumi's last name in the initial d series even his cart his dragon cart was black and white and was painted similarly to the initial D's main hero car, the uh, Toyota AE86. So lots of references to other animes and stuff in this in this game. And that's just one of them. And I loved it. Um, and it was okay. It was okay after all that. It was fun. I collected rings to buy another book to help me boost the rest of my personality with dragon mm-hmm. cart. And after that, I just stopped playing it. Did you and boost I only your whole the- personality? I did. I maxed out everything. Oh, shoot. I definitely did not boost my whole personality. Yeah, because you needed to complete all the sub-stories. Because you know how there's, like, women you can talk to in the game? Yeah. I talked to all of them, got the sub-story. Uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> kind of messed up, actually. So the so you, you go on dates with all of them, and then they all have feelings for you. And then they all think that you're cheating on them. So they show up to Survive Bar with a bunch of weapons, and they're about to beat your ass. Um, And then you wake up. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. It reminds me, like, um, it's a mechanic in Persona where you could technically date everyone in Persona. But what right. happens is on... Um, on white day i think it's called white day like you if you have more than one relationship then all of them are going to show up at the bar 
that your uncle works at. Like it's like it's like crazy. Oh wow, it, maybe that's a reference to Persona because you know Atlas and Sega. Uh, yeah. Sega's owned by uh, Sega owns Atlas, so maybe. Hmm. Yeah, they're all they're they're all pretty related. Did you finish all the conversations at Survive Bar with all the party members? Uh no. Um, I only with Adachi and Adachi and Nanba Sayako, and then with uh Jungi and Zhao. I finished like level two with them, and then I was like, whatever. Oh okay. Do you mind if I tell you something about one yeah? Because I'm not gonna finish them. Oh okay. So Sayako likes someone, and then like. Ichi's asking her who she likes, and she's like, actually, it's some stupid guy. He's he's an idiot. And then he's like, oh, okay. And it turns out it's actually Ichi. She has a huge crush on Ichi. Wait a minute. I finished the Sayako storyline. What's the Sayako storyline? Why don't I remember that? Um, Because there was a sub-story. Sorry. I, I, I'm getting them confused. You're, there, there is a part... Psycho sub story is about her. Her uh, bar chat was about her sister, but her, yeah. she has a sub story that you have to do where she <gasps> oh talks about. Oh my god! A crush. I ship it. I'm here for it. Let's make it happen yeah. for Yakuza Eight. Oh god, I gotta She's watch. Like, I'm gonna watch it on YouTube now. But let's let's yeah, make it yeah. happen, Sega. Let's make because, it happen. Uh, Ichi's like, so what's. What's your type? And then she's like, "Well, I like a guy that she, she's like naming stuff off." And she's like, "What about you, Ichi?" And he's like, "Yeah, I like the kind of girl like this." And then he's like, "Oh, actually, do you?" He's like, "Sachan, do you have a crush on anyone?" She's like, "Uh, uh, uh, well, kind of, yeah." And he's like, "Oh, what's he like?" <laughs> and she's like, kind of describing Ichi, and he doesn't realize it because he's, you know, too thick-headed to to realize it. Yes. But you know, she's not trying to tell him that she likes him. She's just trying to tell him him that she likes a guy like him so that he doesn't find out mm-hmm. and then he walks away and she's like you're an idiot because <laughs> you know she actually has a crush on him so let's make yeah. it happen uh, come on How, let's- also she she kissed him when he was asleep and he woke up and thought it was a dream and then she's like it's you're just dreaming things and then she's like and then she walks downstairs because i thought it was a dream too and the bartender is <laughs> like how did it go and then she's like she's like i don't know what you're talking about he's like oh my young gosh love. And the sub the sub story ends. I was like, "Yo, I ship it. I ship it hard. That's that's hella cute. That's hella cute." Wow. Okay, we really this has to happen now in Yakuza Eight. Uh like, I I want I really want Nanba and Sayako to be uh, and Adachi. The like those three. I hope are the main people carried over to Yakuza Eight. They should be at least. I hope there's like a not a whole new group of people. Um, you can give or take the other two, but those three for sure should be copied over. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, Ichi will definitely be in Ijincho because like he's like, this is my home, I gotta protect it. So I feel like he's just gonna stay there. Namba, his brother's there, which we haven't seen, and I guess he's gonna stay there because he's got nowhere else. Oh to my go. god, I fucking Adachi... okay. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're gonna say. Uh, my the rest of my thought is Adachi doesn't have a job, so he's just gonna hang out and be a bum. And Psycho, you know, her sister's now free from that weird boyfriend, so now she's just gonna hang out and maybe they'll all just hang out together and Psycho, you know, reveal reveal her feelings. But yeah, yes, no, I know you're gonna say you're gonna talk about Namba's brother, right? <laughs> okay. So, it's really weird. Yakuza is the game that tells you everything and shows you everything. Like, right. these conversations are a very are very long, and they show you every bit of it. They show you who's dead, 
They show you, like, who's alive. They show all of these things. Oddly enough, in this game, this game adds too much dialogue to certain points that I don't care about. And they cut out really important plot points that I feel like shouldn't have been cut out of the game. So, one of my biggest pet peeves in the middle chapter is the fact that Nanba goes missing because his brother was doing an investigative report on the counterfeit money. And then he disappears from your party. You have Ari has to join your party, which by the way, I love Ari. And then um and then eventually like after you fight Bleach, after you fight all of these people, and then eventually the Jomi Joel are like, we'll help you. I'm like, oh, God, I guess. So after they finally help me and Nanba's back, it's like, we cut to this next scene where, um, where, um, Masato's classmate is like arrested or not arrested, but he's like basically like tied up in the homeless camp. And then, be, and then, you're, and then um, Ichi has this conversation with Namba. So you're going to see your brother now? And he's like, yep, I'll go see him. And then you c- cut to the next and you're like, all right, so we're going to see this reunion. We do not see the reunion of Namba and his brother. In fact, we don't see Namba's brother at all in this game. And I just thought s- storytelling wise, that was a very weird move for Sega to basically dedicate three chapters based around this brother, but we never see the brother. I thought that was really weird and also made me really bitter because I hate these middle chapters. And now I don't even get to see the brother that I'm fighting for. This was dumb. (laughs) So I, I mean, like I'm, I'm sure, like, in the grand scheme of things, a lot of people don't care about Namba's brother. But for me, it's like, what the fuck? Like, Namba disappeared from my party for two, three chapters, and I don't even get to see the conclusion of this. Yeah. I hate it. So, adding on to that, in the beginning, it's like, Namba, tell them why you're here. This is when you're infiltrating the Gomi Jewel and you're inside their, like, headquarters, the hive or whatever. And they're like, why do you tell them why you're here? He's like... I'm I'm here I'm here because I'm homeless or whatever <laughs> like no you're not you're here to find your brother and he's like what what you have a brother yeah I have a brother and he's and he's dead and I want I want to know why you killed him actually he's not dead he's living with us and he's married to this Korean woman what I gonna I want to go see my alive brother all right cool you're gonna disappear from the chapter uh you're gonna disappear from the party and and you'll be back in a few chapters and you're gonna go find your brother all right cool see you guys later I'm gonna go hang out with my brother and then he comes back it's like oh yeah how's your brother oh he was cool he's married um. He's going to live here now in this underground facility with with the rest of the Gomi Jewel. It's like, you set this up to be something bigger and you didn't pay off. Like, you don't even show him. They could have just had a a cutscene where they showed him like, hey, hey, bro, it's me. Oh, my God, you look so different. That's exactly what I was expecting. I thought that was the payoff I thought we were going to get. Right? It turns out none of it was for Moot. It was just nothing. It was just some weird brother sub story that they created side story or side arc they created just for nothing to happen it's like dude why are you telling me about your brother if you're not going to show me your brother <laughs> like i don't understand yeah I, don't, I really don't it was so it's not uncommon for party members to disappear for s- different storylines i actually thought it was cre- at the beginning at the beginning when this all happened i actually thought it was creative 
that Nanba disappeared from your from your party for a little bit and you had to like kind of figure it out figure it out and then when that happened what i actually thought was going to happen was at some point every main character was going to disappear from your party and you had to deal with it so i thought at some point sayako would also disappear at some point adachi would disappear but no only nanba disappears and he disappears for a whole arc and all of the main story points were talked about like did you do that? Yes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is how right, it's going to end. Right. I didn't like that they didn't give us a payoff. Yeah. Like, just that's just that's it, plain and simple. They're just like, hey, this is a thing that's happening. That's it. That's it all happened. you get. Like, yep. It, it's like you're setting it up for nothing. Like, it's yes. so stupid. Exactly. Why even set it up at all then? Why even do it? Yeah. I just I just don't understand. <sighs> whatever. I mean, that was that leads into the middle part, which is nothing. It's like they had a really strong beginning and end, and they just didn't have anything in the middle. The middle, I like I said, I just didn't like the middle at all. The only strong point of the middle is if you dedicated the middle to playing the business management game, because Aerie's great. I love Aerie. If I didn't have... I like I, I switch Aerie off here and there, especially when I use Lucky Punch to kill the Vagrant Vagabonds, and... It was like like she's very useful in battle. Like like she was she was great. She's a great party member. But what sucks is like it's like she's such a great party member, but she's not even in the cutscenes. Yeah, it's everyone else was but her, and she was kind of just like a one off thing. It's like hey, she's hey guys, Aries joining the party. Awesome, Aries join your party, and you'll never see her ever again. Yeah. but only in the business management mini game. Exactly. <laughs> Which sucks um, because she was such a good battle, like battle party member too. Like she's great. Like she's great. I wish that she was in the cutscene. She's so useful, and like, and this is now this is gonna go into my point about um, Zhao and Jungi. But um, the problem I have with the middle chapters is that it's like the game has a one character story arc mentality with a multiple party turn-based system and so like what i what i mean by that is if people are added into your party then i think that story-wise and for the narrative you have to give everyone an interesting way or reason why this character is cool and why i should care about the character and i just really did not like, the game didn't do a good job in telling me why I should care about Zhao or Jungi or the Ejin 3, to be completely honest. Like, I just, like... Right, right. It, it was just such a like, a, a... like, a flat point in the game until... until Masato comes back to the story. And... On top... And then just... um Like, another good... Another thing is just, like... Like, all of a sudden, Jungi has, a like, a brother. Like, he's not actually dead from Yakuza 6. It's, it's like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on right now? <laughs> so, it's like... Hit. Right. And that being said, Jeremy, you actually finished his bar story. Yeah. So, there might be more to him. And I, maybe I am missing out. But, in general, like, I feel like the game gave me... 
the game gave me a reason to play with Adachi, gave me a reason to play with Nanba, gave me a reason to play with Sayago. But like, there was just no reason for me to ever care about Zhao and especially Jungi on my party. Like, at least give me Song Wee if you're you're forcing me to play with someone from the Jomi Joel, but not Jungi. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that I just you know. I I I just really didn't care for the middle chapters at all. And then the whole yeah. Nanba brother thing, the end of it was a s- total sour point. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. But I will say that I did find Jugi useful in battle because he had a, he had an electric attack, he had a physical attack, and you can have him uh have like titanium knuckles which were on fire so there was a fire attack and he mm-hmm. had guns so he was he was a good way to figure out what enemies were weak against and what they were not weak against and that's what i used him a lot for but after a while i just stopped using him in general and um kind of fell off after i just found out about his story and i was like okay you're just some plastic surgery clone of a dude who died but because i saw him die you know yes, Kiryu we was all, there, and Kiryu... we all did <laughs> that's why yeah I was yeah like... What is going on? You have a brother yeah. clone now? <laughs> like, well, okay. Is... So, do do you, do do you remember what you read about him? Because I could tell you the full story. <laughs> Just tell me the full story. Oh, and then oh, okay. before you tell me the whole story, you don't actually need him for electric power because the legendary bat is electric for itchy. Right, right. Yeah. Right, but initially I used him as that, oh, yeah, that yeah, tester for, sure, for, for sure. electricity. Yeah. Um. So, this guy, he has a different name. It's like Yonshim, I think is his, his real name. Ugh. But he goes by Hanjugi. He acts exactly like him. And he's a, a carbon copy because for some reason the Gomijul or whoever, they want the spirit of Hanjungi to live on forever. Both both like mentally but also physically. They need that actual Hanjugi person to be alive to keep to keep like... The legend alive, I guess you could say. So his dad, in order to please Han Jungi, the original, he made his his son look exactly like him, and it pleased the original Han Jungi so much that he he made this current Han Jungi a bodyguard slash um, uh, double, so that you know if something were to happen to him, then he would be able to uh, you know take take the uh, take the bullet or whatever. But it turns out the original Han Jungi died, so then he, this now new Han Jungi, has to take on the mantle of Han Jungi, and everyone thinks that Han Jungi is still alive, except for Kiryu, who's like, "Oh, yo, you, you, wait, didn't you die?" And then you know, there's a whole scene where they talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of weird, kind of stupid. My my thing is, this dude sounds exactly like Han Jungi. You can have plastic surgery to look exactly like someone, but you you probably won't sound exactly like them. So the fact that this dude is the same. In and out is just weird to me, but I mean, it's a Yakuza game, and I, I can't really question too much, but I can complain as much as I want. That's so dumb. You could have just had a new um gay like Korean gang member. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could have just created a completely new character. Did anyone even like? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like Jung, like Jungi was a really good antagonist in yakuza 6 like i like it like it was in it was like he made things spicy for sure and then he was like a morally flawed person where like he kind of batted for both sides but like 
was he that popular that we needed this Junkie guy in Yakuza 8? You know what I mean? Or sorry, Yakuza 7? Like, that's my question. I mean, when I saw him, I was like, hey, aren't you dead? (laughs) Like, what are you doing here? And then, because he had the same name, and I found out, and I was like, actually, this is kind of (laughs) stupid. Like, it's not even, it's not even funny. It's just stupid that, I don't know, that, that, that kind of thing exists. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. He could, like, he could have. You could have had a completely new person. You could he could have had a brother. You know what I mean? But like the a whole plastic surgery, like oh god. <laughs> he could have a brother because because Namba already has a brother that we didn't see. <laughs> oh god, triggered. <laughs> I'm so triggered right now. Yeah, I know how you feel. Ugh. Well, didn't, it didn't okay. bother me as much when um when um when Masato's um when they when they said that they killed off um Masato's classmate who I forgot his name but the director of Bleach when they kind of oh. said off when they said it didn't bother me as much but it also still bothered me it wasn't like it wasn't kind of like Nanba level but it wasn't Nanba or um, Masumi level but I was still like yo why didn't you show that <laughs> like yeah, there's just a right. lot, there are a lot of things like narrative decisions in here that I was surprised by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I guess they're just trying to steer the franchise in a different direction. I guess with, with still like retaining a lot of the same elements, but yeah. I don't know. It just a lot of it just felt cheap in a way. Yeah, but I mean, again, overall, I enjoyed the whole game. I enjoyed everything about it. And I, I just want them to learn from this and, and make Yakuza 8 even better because I felt like this game had a lot of potential. It was missing a lot of things, um, but it was still good overall. Like it's it's Unfortunately, I don't think it's in my top five, but it is it is a good game. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this game a lot. I've, oh, like... Like, honestly, like, this is, this is like a Yakuza 1. So it's like, it's fine if if this game isn't anyone's favorite because like, it's not like Yakuza one is really, or, you know, Yakuza Kiwami, Yakuza, Yakuza one is, um, kind of like a, like at that time when it first came out, it's not like everyone was like, Oh, this is my, you know, this is going to be like my favorite game ever for all the Yakuza's because it's like, you know, we're going to see itchy grow even more in the game. real plot twist how'd you feel about the plot twist of itchy's real identity um i was like wow this is very on brand for them to do this um i thought it was cute it made sense but it was just kind of weird too like the fact that there were two babies in two different lockers at the same time was like okay what okay okay you guys are pushing a little bit here (laughs) the the yakuza franchise knows like they they do ridiculous stuff like that, but it all only if it happens once. Yeah, exactly. If it happened once, I'd be like, all right, okay. Oh wow, that's the baby in the locker. Oh wow, that's that. He, no wonder he can't walk. That's crazy. But there were two babies in two different lockers that were right next to each other, and I was like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> so, this is uh, uh, so they were really they're really pushing there. Honestly, I was like I said 
when I gave you my prediction that either Ichi and Masato are cousins or Ichi and Masato are half brothers, like I feel like it could have been achieved without having there be two coin locker babies. And the reason why and look, I understand Yakuza doesn't care about physics or science or biology, but it's like I it made complete sense to me that Masato was handicapped for a part of his life because he was lacking oxygen in a locker room with 20 degree weather that makes complete sense to me like it like like i totally get it the fact that that same thing didn't happen with itchy though and they were all in the same lockers next to each other in that weather that is the part i think is like kind of threw me off immersively i was just like oh okay that's weird (laughs) yeah yeah, straight up yeah, like it's on brand with Yakuza. Like we all, like you know, I knew a plot like basically after our uh after Masumi and Ichi had the conversation, I was like, "Oh, these two people are, are related in some way and we're going to find out how." But um that whole like I feel like we could have rev- like you could have revealed Ichi was the su- the real son in a different way. Like I said, it was super spicy, and I was, like, thoroughly enjoyed. It's just the science behind it that Itchy survived well. and At the heart of it all, this game is about sons and their dads and the problems they have with their dads. It is, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's confusing because you think this game is about other things, but it's not. And it's really about sons and their dads, and you're like, oh, okay. This it's is- really about it- fatherhood. <laughs> yeah, it's really about that. And you're like, all right, I guess so. Sure. All yeah. right. Uh, moving on. Yakuza 8. When's that coming out? <laughs> um, but again, I, it's not a bad game. Yes. The one thing that, like, they when they went the Sawashiro route, that, like, oh, they're actually not, like, they're not brothers or cousins at all. They're not even related. It's just, like, two completely different families. I was like... Oh my god! I was like, I wasn't expecting this like mindfuck of, of a story. I really thought they were related. Like I said, we're not here for science, right? We're here for chance and two babies in two different lockers that are next to each other at the same exact time on New Year's Eve, two thousand. Exactly. Exactly. That's how it happens. Masumi and Ichi are very um. Uh, like super awesome together. I like I like the chemistry. We all knew he was going to die at the end of this game. But at the same time, you're still think like, you know, if you follow any Yakuza game trajectory, it's like, yeah, this guy's probably going to die, but do we want him to die? No. And also like I was really in and the, another reason why I didn't like the middle chapters that much is and I mentioned this before to you Jeremy, but it was just the fact that like sure. The weight of, like, the weight for bringing this all back full circle was too long of a wait. It was, like, a five-chapter wait of figuring out how all of this is related. Chapter The end of chapter two is so spicy because all of a sudden you're back from from prison. Like, 
Masumi wrote letters to him like he was actually like trying to keep up and then all of a sudden like your patriarch shoots you you know in the place that he promised he was gonna buy you dinner at on new year's eve before you went to prison it, it you know it's just like right like it like it ended in such a the beginning chapters were great and then all of a sudden lol and then finally we're brought back which is great but right yeah it's not surprising in any way that Masato was actually the one who killed the rival Yakuza member in the end. Right, 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 right. That's not surprising. Um, no, not at all. Yeah. That being said, I wish we kind of, I wish we got a more, like, obviously we're never going to get this dialogue because they're both dead. But it would have been great to... And this will also relate back to the fact that we didn't see Masumi die. We kind of just assumed he, um, you know, he was dead on the stretcher. And then when they reveal the Tendo and Masumi conversation, they didn't do it with an actual cutscene. They did it with the stills, which is, which by the way, is is super pretty. And I really like that. I just felt like you shouldn't do that for Masumi's death because he's like, no. You, like not for his, not for that character you do that um right but it was just like there are a lot of unanswered questions in my opinion of just like yes so he knew the whole time that they were like like when did he basically figure out that that wasn't his real son but the other was his real son that's i really wanted to know that i feel like i mean you know it's never going to happen, but it's something I really wanted to know and I was curious about. Sure. Yeah, same. Same. Because it, it kind of just another example of where they just were like, hey, this happened. Oh, cool. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, they, we, we, this, this, this is how it is. And you're just like, okay, but like, did they cotton swab a DNA test or something? Like, was there an inkling all of a sudden? Like, I just... I just wanted to personally know when Masumi realized who his real son was. That that's all. I just... no, I feel it because they tell you everything else. Why why are they not telling you this? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly, exactly. But yeah, <sighs> we love this game. Oh, well, okay. Love is a strong word. We like this game a lot, guys. I do. Okay. I do really like this game. Yeah, we're criticizing it because we like it. Yes. <laughs> but now, I I just want to, with the whole ending, I wanted to um, kind of repeat what I texted you when I finished the final chapter. Um, when Masato mm-hmm. and Ichi are at the lockers. But that ending, to, to describe it in one sentence, was truly some Nishiki-ass bullshit. Like... I couldn't believe what I just saw with that ending, especially because finally we've reached the point of Nishiki, sorry, not Nishiki, of freaking Masto and Ichi coming together and all of a sudden this fucking guy from Bleach that you think that you're, that throughout the game 
you forget about because you're like, yeah, that guy wasn't even really that important anyways. It's not like he knew any of what Bleach was really all about. And then all of a sudden, he stabs him. And I was like, I was like in shock. And it went to credits. It went straight to credits after that. I was like, what the fuck just happened? I know, right? It's like, hey, this. this and then, of course, you see the aftermath after yeah. the credits. You're like, oh, shit. You can't just leave the game here. And then, of course, they show the, you know, them going, I guess, post-funeral. Um, I was like, shit, dude. And I know. what about Kume? You're just going to let him go? Like, <laughs> didn't you guys chase after him or anything? Good God. He just murdered somebody. And then, and then at first in the credits, I was like, oh, my God, maybe he's not dead. Like, he survived this whole time. Maybe he's really not dead. And then you see the shrine mm-hmm. of both him and Masumi, and you're like, they're dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they're 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 dead dead. They're no there's no coming back from that. No resurrections. They're dead dead. Oh my goodness. So, uh, that was that I think that was the most shocking thing of the game, that death. Because I yeah. think it's I think it's because like I really was going into this thinking like, alright, wow. I wonder if like he goes to jail if because in my head at that point, I was like, wow, he's going to go to jail. But I wonder, like, if he will actually be, like, a main character, at you know, throughout the series, like, all of his stuff. And then it's like, nope, same tragic death as Nishiki. So I honestly thought he was going to live. I, I really like, wow, did. They're gonna, I truly They're going to let him live. For once yeah. in this game's franchise, they're going to let him live. I know. And he was killed by Kume of all people. Uh, yeah, that's like shit. Fuck, I know. Ah, uh, that was honestly a, a good. Like, that was a heartbreaking ending, though. Like that conversation between Ichi and yeah, I liked it because yeah. you know they're in a way like these two guys who have different dads were coming together and you know finally realizing you know what what's happening and then. It just all ends. It's crazy. I think that the ending and everything is super promising for setting up basically the whole Jinjo world. Itchy, like, basically living for, like, the people he loves and everything. And um, honestly, I know we talked about it briefly, but I do think the ending does imply Adachi, Nanba, and Sayako at least are back. I I really do think, like, 70% they're going to be back in the next game. Yeah, I want them to be back. They're I want... a lot of fun. Yeah. I would like them to be back as well. I think they're going they're they're really good additions to the franchise and they definitely round out that whole JRPG aspect of this game. I agree. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens next in the next iteration. Yes. All right. I think we've talked this game to death, Elisa. There's one more thing I wanted to say. My yeah. favorite sub story is I really like the persimmon sub story. It really touched my heart. Oh, I was yeah. like, I, it was really hilarious to me that you had to go back to that persimmon tree. And every time there was a new person trying to knock down the tree and like this, there right. was a freaking sumo wrestler. There was like a guy with a BB gun. <laughs> it's just like. Ridiculous. <laughs> like I was just like, where did all these people come from? But yeah, <laughs> God, I I love 
I really like that sub story. Like that was that's the one I remember the most. And then in the end, um, the you know the girl was able to survive her operation, and I just it that one really really touched my heart for sure. Yeah, that was a really good one. I liked that one a lot because like I had to keep coming back there and seeing all these ridiculous characters try and knock down this persimmon tree, and I was like, what the hell? Um, that being said. <laughs> The one that made me the most sad was probably Forget Me Not with the ghost girl. That was really sad. Oh, that one. Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah, that was really good. And then they're like, who are you talking to? He's like, what do you mean? You can't talk to her like that. And they're like, well, you're crazy. And then Ichi's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. And you fight. And then you realize she's gone. And she's dead. And I was like, yo, that was pretty cool. I will say, I forgot the name of the game. But I, I I was not getting the game for for a little bit. It took me a while to get the game. The one that you played at the arcade. I forgot what the game was. Um, um the one which what was in what happens in the game? Um, it, the one with the the one with the UFO. I forgot what the one that you have to play for that side story. Uh, oh, the are you talking about the crane game? Yeah, I was not I I was not getting it. Oh. Like like I crane games are just like my crutch when it comes to Yakuza. Okay, not going to lie. I think I'm actually pretty good at the crane games. No, <laughs> like, you you told you told me that you're yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. actually good at the at the crane game, but like I just can't it takes a while for me to get it for sure. <laughs> I know, I know, right? So Funny story. I thought I was really good. I went to a round one in Kyoto with my friends and I tried playing the real crane games. I sucked at it. But then my friend was like, oh, there's a certain strategy you have to do. You have to like make sure the claw's hands go in a certain way to push the item in your direction. I was like, what the fuck? That's some that's some magic bullshit. And he did it and he won a giant Kirby. And I was like, yo, what the hell? And so I tried that <laughs> tactic in the game and it worked several times where wow. maybe like in Ijincho, for example, some of the like some of the the prizes are on an upper level and then like the below is where the catch is. So you have to like position the crane so that it'll like, it'll be above the item, but like kind of adjacent to the edge. So when you press lower, it'll lower and it'll push the item out towards the edge and off into the, to the bin where you collect it. And I was like, yo, it actually does work. So some of those I got, but then it took a while for some of the other ones because just how the way they're shaped is yeah. hard for me to to catch and I was like okay but yeah oh, fun God. stuff I wish if only I had that amount of skill <laughs> <laughs> if it's all about positioning and timing that that's all it's just that's fair it. very fair yeah but like I, I understand a lot of people probably don't have patience for that real quick about that story uh that sub story I honestly would ship them if I wasn't already shipping Sayako in my head. But they were cute. I know. They were really cute. They were, yeah. But the fact that she's dead makes me yeah, ship Psycho and Ichi even more. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Cool. All right. Uh, we, do, we do have one question slash comment. Um, this is from Chariot Goblin. Who Thanks again, Chariot Goblin, for your comment. That's kind of a response to your previous one and our, and our response to you. 
So their comment was, I was at the same level you were entering chapter 12. For this chapter and onwards, I found myself buying lots of health and MP items and spamming the essence moves. For the final chapter, it was a process of group heal, refill with 300 MP, spamming orbital laser, and using pound mates. I granted to level 61 and was fine for the final battle. Thank you, orbital laser and Ichiban Confections. The vagabond <laughs> enemies in the dungeons give lots of XP as well. Cool. So you're... So, Chariot Goblin, thanks again for your comment. We, you, you're echoing kind of what we mentioned earlier. Um, I forgot about Poundmates and talking about it. Basically, Poundmates is when you, you know, call in people and they they have certain effects to either your party or to the battlefield. Um, yeah. That's cool. I, I liked, I I liked using Pound Poundmates a lot. I did Poundmates at least once with every character. Um, definitely Nancy the Crawfish and <laughs> Majima had the best in terms of like their intro of the heat, like the heat cutscene. They were the best for sure. But Nancy the Crawfish got I gotta give love to my homie. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, Ilyu Jin also had like the freezing one that I found useful for like Tendo, for example. Oh, you know, I don't remember that. I don't remember that one off the top of my head. But oh, okay. I'll, I'll I'll remember it when I see it. <laughs> sure, sure. Which is it's kind of funny. Um, there, the, his inclusion is in reference to an actual Japanese drama that premiered. I'm oh, sorry, it's a Korean drama that premiered in Japan in 2004, and it was so popular in Japan that they had they aired the uncut Korean version because in Japan they had like a. Uh, a Japanese dub, but then they the 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 fans were so ram like ravaged for the original that they released it in Korean with Japanese subtitles on Japanese TV, um, and that drama was called Winter Sonata, and the drama in the in the game that the, the it's referencing is called Your Winter Sonata or something like that. Yeah. Um. So I I think I think it was really funny. Like you you wouldn't understand that unless you actually like maybe watch that drama or heard about that drama, but like that's such a weirdly specific reference that I, that I understood. And I was like, dude, why do I know <laughs> this? <laughs> this is so weird, but like, I know I, I guess it makes sense. Also shout out to my dad who watched that and told me about it. And I was like, yo, that's, that's awesome. It really is. Like if you it, like, I think winter Sonata is like on coffee Prince level of like really old school dramas that people love. Right. And they yeah. still talk about it to this day. They reference it. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah, and they still like they they people parody it, all that jazz. Like that's it's so iconic. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, I I'm rewatching the the Eugen Poundmates. Oh my gosh, it's called Sub Zero Sonata. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so funny, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I remember. I remember so this good. um cutscene now. It's so good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's perfect. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Poundmates is just so funny. My favorite was when um, uh, the soup kitchen girl falls from the sky and she's she already oh, has her yeah. arms crossed. <laughs> she's just standing there in that pose and looking menacing and just like, <laughs> it's so funny. Yes, <laughs> that one's good too. Oh my I love God. it. She, she uh, resupplies all your MP, which is awesome. I love, by the way, how the sub story introducing Poundmates, they all thought it was going to be some super, like, super sexual thing. And they were all really excited for it. But it turns out, yeah. no, 
That is not what Poundmates means. <laughs> Some big dude shows up. Hey, yo, what's up? You called Poundmates? It's like, oh, what are you, who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> He's like, I'm going to beat you up. It's like, what the hell's going on? I thought I, I was getting some sex. It's like, nope, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, that was that's really funny. I think it's really cool that they can include characters from previous games um, and have them in there in, in, the, in the Poundmate selection. So like Majima and Saijima were Poundmate selections. Kiryu is one. And you can also get Daigo Dojima as well as a Poundmate's uh, yes. character. Pretty cool. Pretty unique. Super cool. Yeah. Well, all right. Any other closing thoughts? I think we can end it here, Lisa. Yes. I like to um I like to mention at the end of each game we like fully talk about like whether it's worth playing or not. And yes, this this game totally worth playing. It's a great intro game to a new protagonist. It's a lot of fun. Some of the best um mini games of the whole franchise and you're gonna meet some pretty like although there's like some flaws with the game overall it's totally fun and you're gonna have a good time and i think that a lot like a lot of the highs will make up for some of the lull periods in the middle so I agree with everything Elisa said. I, despite all of our our complaints about the main story and especially the middle parts, it's still a solid game. You don't necessarily have to play previous Yakuza games to play this one. Uh, I think that's part of the marketing strategy they had, where they yes. call it Like a Dragon instead of Yakuza Seven, because I think people will think, "Oh, Seven's too many." Um, it's a smart move, but. You will be confused when certain characters show up and you don't know what's going on. For example, Kiryu's reveal. You, it, they, they make such an emphasis emphasis to show him that he's there, and you're you you might be playing wondering like who is this guy? You'll never hear his name spoken out loud in the game, and you're like, why is this guy so mysterious? Uh, he must be important. So if you aren't familiar with the franchise prior to this, I highly recommend you do play all of the Yakuza games starting with Zero, um, at least all the ones that are available in the West. There are some that are Japan only, but at least play Zero through f- through six and then play seven or yes. if not just play seven and then play seven first and then play zero through six. And then you'll understand who that guy was that was talking so, so much um, <laughs> with the gray suit. But yes, yes th- I think this is a good solid game. It is. I love the direction it's going in. I was turned off by the turn-based combat initially, but now I have, I have seen a new light and I love the turn-based combat in this game. It's fun. It's unique. It's different for this franchise. And it's something that this really, this game, this series really needed. So can't wait for Yakuza 8. We're definitely going to be talking about it. Elise and I will for sure play it. And um, we'll give us we'll give you our thoughts when it comes out. Yes. All right. All right, guys. Well, if uh, you want to find us you can and leave a comment, you can go to www.downtime.live. Click on the contact form. Fill it out. Leave us a comment that way. You can um, send us an email the old-fashioned way. Contact at downtime.live. You can leave a comment wherever this podcast is hosted that allows comments such as YouTube, Podbean. Um, We're also on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a review there and we'll read it on the podcast. You can find us now on Spotify and Google Podcasts as well as Stitcher. And um, you can find us on Twitter. Tweet at us. Leave us a comment. Uh, Join our Discord. If you... Wherever this podcast is hosted, there's a link to join our Discord. Click on that, where we talk about everything from the Yakuza franchise to TV shows, movies, music. We love it. 
that's all. Yes. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to our spoiler cast for Yakuza Like a Dragon, a.k.a. Yakuza 7. Have a good night. Peace.